just give me a second. Okay. That'd be bad. Uh, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, that's where we're going to be started. Um, that will mean you would have to shut off the ball game that you're watching if you're using your phone. Anybody want to give us an update? 17-7. 17-7. 17 17-7 Panthers are up, right? Panthers. That's the pastor's kid. Once they get married and move out of the house, it all goes downhill, huh? Yeah. Well, at least they got out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try and get this done before the end of the half. That way... Yes. Uh, feel free to shout out any, you know, any guy, hey, amen, good job. And we'll just assume that it's because the preaching is fantastic. fantastic. Okay, let's get to the serious stuff for us non-Panther fans. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to look through Acts chapter 4 today. We've been in this, uh, this Kingdom Comes series looking at the life of the very first Christians um, and what they did and what God did through them and how the Holy Spirit moved. And we have been uh, just kind of plowing through and just trying to get as much as we can out of that. Today we're going to look at, at Acts chapter 4. Um, this really is, uh, Acts chapter 4 really is a two-part sermon. So um, we're not going to get through both parts today. Uh, I thought we might, but then as I continue to dig in, we won't. So if you're in a small group and you haven't gotten the questions yet, they will actually come out right after service. And um, they're actually going to be the last half of chapter 4. It'll be the part about community. What is community? So be looking for those, and we're going to ask all the small groups and, and anybody who wants to get together and talk about the sermon, like the content of the sermon, not you know how it was preached or who was preaching. Um, those questions are going to be coming out, and I just want to encourage you, if you're not a small group, to, to get in one. Uh, it's a great time of digging in, and I know a lot of our, our small groups have been going through the sermons, and so those questions will be coming out to you this afternoon um, because we just won't have time. There's too many good things in this chapter for us. So if you bear with me, we're going to read um, 22 verses. Now, granted, this is not one of my strong suits, reading. I'm from South Carolina. And um, it's just, anybody else want, Jenny, you want to come read it for me? No? Okay. Uh, if you guys want to read along, just along, not out loud with me, that would really mess me up. I wouldn't do very well at all. We're going to read through the 21 verses. And then what I would like you to do is while we're reading and then uh, as I begin to kind of walk us through, try and put your place, put yourself in the place, especially of Peter and what he's walking through and what the Holy Spirit is actually doing in him. You know, often we read these stories and, and, and these accounts of people's lives and we just think, wow, those guys are amazing. They're incredible. They're, you know, all these things. And we fail to realize they're just like you and me. And I don't know if you're going to find a better story than this when it comes to that, if that makes sense. Let's read chapter 4, verse 1 and, and following. The priests and the captain, oh, excuse me, there we go, see already? The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. 
by what power or in what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into account for an act of kindness showed to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then this is how. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That is the man that stands before you healed. The stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they looked and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since <clears throat> they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to go away and withdraw from the Sanhedrin so they could confer together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have what they have done. An outstanding miracle has been seen, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Amen. So this is, I don't know if this is a story you've heard before. I don't know if this is something you've read often. Um, but this is one of the first accounts of, of, of the disciples coming before the Sanhedrin, coming before the, the priests and the elders and, and, and the people who had all the authority in the land of Jerusalem at this time. And so as we walk through this story again, just take a minute and try and picture yourself as, as Peter in this instance. And just to give you a little background about what's going on, they had just prayed over and, and healed this lame man, and they had with him with them, and it caused an absolute ruckus and a riot. And it says that the, the guard of the temple, the temple, the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to John and Peter. See, they were there to hold order, to make sure chaos didn't happen, especially the captain of the guard. That was his role, especially at festivals and feasts. His role was to come in and make sure chaos didn't happen, to make sure everything stayed in order, to make sure riots didn't take place. And the Sadducees, their, their job was to make sure that everything that was taught was in order, that everything that, that the people heard was in order, that everything was according to their authority and according to their rule, and that was not happening any longer. There was an uprising going on. There was upheaval. There was a riot beginning to happen because Jesus had been raised from the dead, and this lame man was walking, and he was over 40 years old. It's a great age to be great age to be over 40 years old. Um, and so these guys were in absolute turmoil, and they were freaking out about what was happening. The Sadducees didn't like anybody else teaching. They didn't like anybody else proclaiming anything. They, they thought they had held all authority in that realm. And here you have John and Peter, who it says later on were ordinary, unschooled men, beginning to teach things. And the one thing they, they were teaching was the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ. And it's the one thing that the Sadducees hated the most, that they, they, they taught against, that they didn't agree with, that they didn't like. 
this is what they were teaching, and it was what they didn't like the most. And so you have this time when everything is just swirling and swirling out of control. And so then you have Peter and John, and, and they, they get arrested. They get arrested for teaching this, and they get arrested for you know, being kind to a, a lame guy and healing him. And they're brought before the Sanhedrin. They're brought before this council, and it says here that, filled, that, that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you might say the Holy Ghost. So is this where I go, ha! Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, wor I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It says he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he began to speak. You, you, you might see that and say, wow, Peter, what a, what a great guy. And, and, wow, and he's just filled with the Spirit, and he was just, you know, willing to step in. But I'd like to, to tell you another part of, of Peter's story that might help you realize what exactly was going on probably in that moment, in my opinion, if I may be so bold. This was not Peter's first time to the Sanhedrin. He had been there once before. If you flip back just a few pages, at least in my Bible, a few pages to chapter 18 of John, you'll find that Peter was in this position one time before. Not exact position, but pretty doggone close. And the outcome was much different than the one that, that we're reading about today. And I would like to read this story to you. Again, try to put your, 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 yourself in his place and that he's standing before the Sanhedrin and my bet is part of what's rolling around through Peter's mind, especially probably why he was in jail the night before, was this part of his life. Jesus had just been betrayed by Judas. And we're starting verse 12. It says, then a detachment of soldiers and its commander and, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Ananias, who was the father-in-law of, of Caiaphas, if you're saying that right the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went in with Jesus to the priest's high courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The priest came back and he spoke to the girl on duty and he brought Peter in. Are you not one of his disciples? The girl asked. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. And then if you hop down to verse 25, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, are you not one of the disciples? He denied it again. He said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied him, and at that moment, the rooster began to crow. See, Peter had been right up to the Sanhedrin before. He had been with Jesus, who had been arrested, and Jesus was actually standing where Peter is now standing in Acts 4. And Jesus was asked a number of the same questions. By whose authority? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? All these questions. And Peter is just outside knowing that all this is going on, and, and he denies Christ three times. He denies him and says, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. You know, and if you read this story in Acts, you, you can quickly say, oh, Peter's such a good guy, but you miss what actually is really going on. 
in my opinion, is probably one of the greatest redemption stories you'll ever see. You know? Peter had the same opportunity right in front of other people. Weren't you with him? Didn't you know him? No, I didn't. And he walked and he turned his back away from the one who poured into him and and who loved him and who taught him the word and and taught him about who God is and taught him about who himself was. And he poured into him and, and Peter denied him. And then Peter has this chance as he's standing before the Sanhedrin and I can't help but wonder what's rolling through his head. If he's like me or maybe some of you, he's probably thinking back to this instance and thinking, oh, man, I've been here before. I remember what I, what I did last time. Why, why would God want to use me? This is what I've done. This is how, what, how I treated him. This is actually what I said. I've, I've been asked almost the exact same questions. Did you know him? By whose name? And how often do we feel unworthy? Because of our past or because of, of what we've done. See, Peter is not unlike you and me. He has struggles. He's, he's got sin in his life. He's got times where he's actually said, I don't know you. But yet, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross for Peter. And so you have this redemption story. And so Peter says he's full of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think of a full of the Holy Spirit, all kinds of things go through my mind. I, I don't know about you. I don't know what goes through your mind, but all kinds of manners of, of different things, a lot of like past experiences and church services, some good, some, some not so good, some really, really cool, some really, really weird. But what happens here is simple. Is he is filled with the Holy Spirit and then he is obedient just to speak to these guys. And it says that he addresses them, rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called into account today for the act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then this is what you need to know. It is by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom crucified, whom you crucified and who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. This is the only way you can be saved is is through him. He simply proclaimed the gospel. They were being persecuted. They were being jailed. He was in jail overnight and, and he's being attacked and and he could have easily attacked them back and saying, you just want to control everything. You just, you just want to make sure that it's all done your way. You are treating me unfairly. You don't understand my religion. You don't understand what's going on. And you're just being a jerk. Right? You don't get what's going on. You just want to control things. Why are you being so unfair to me? <clears throat> this is my life. He doesn't defend himself. <clears throat> he doesn't attack him. He doesn't go after him. He simply proclaims the gospel to him. Not a single word of defense, but literally, as he's being accused, he said, well, can I just tell you about Jesus? Let me tell you about his resurrection. Let me tell you, this is who healed this man standing next to me. How often, when we're being accused and we're being uh, treated unfairly, that what riles up is our flesh. And we just want to attack and we just want to go after. But Peter has had a revelation. He actually wrote about that revelation later on. Do you know what I'm talking about? 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for your hope. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, Peter didn't really view them as as people who were attacking. He didn't view them as, as people who were aggressive. He viewed them as an opportunity to share Jesus. That's what he did when he was full of 
of the Spirit. It says he was full of the Spirit, and he simply said, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, the guy you, you killed, you might take a little shot now. The guy you killed has been raised from the dead. That's who healed this man, and, and that's how we get to heaven. <coughs> it goes on, and, and we're going to get into the last part of the story here just, just in a second, this account, sorry. But when I was reading this, and, and part of the reason we're not going to get to the end is I started having more questions than I had answers when I re read this. And, and let me tell you the, the questions I had. I had three specific questions, and I need to tell them all to you so then I can answer them all at one time because my brain doesn't work in one, two, three. It kind of works in, I don't know. But we're going to do my, I'm going to do my best for you this morning. As I was reading this account, and, I, and I'd be willing to bet most of you have asked this question, the first question that began to come to my mind was, why don't we see this happening now? You know, it says that, that this man was healed and that the, their number grew to 5,000. The people believed and their number grew to 5,000. How many have asked that question when you're reading the Bible? Lots of really incredible things happen in the Bible, and we say, why is this not happening now? That was my first question, and I began to wonder. And then as I read down, there, there's this verse that says, when they saw, this is verse 13 of 14, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Next question that popped into my mind, and I understand that they were probably talking very literal there, but, you know, they knew that they were spending time with Jesus. But the next question that popped into my mind, when I talk to people, do they know, do they know that I've been with Jesus? This was the second question. That came to my mind. These super exciting questions and very encouraging for me to, you know, self-reflect and dig deep down into my soul. And I, and I began to, to ponder, if I talk to somebody for 10 minutes, do they know that I've been with Jesus? Or do they just think I'm, I'm Matt and, you know, I have three kids and, and a wife and, you know, and that kind of thing? Is, is that all they know of me? And then the last question that came to my mind comes out of verse 18 and 19. It says, then they called them in again. This was after they were sent out and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And here's the third question is what do I speak about? You know, John and Peter, it's actually really, if you, if you dig in just for, for a second, you begin to realize they knew what it meant. They, again, they were being told, they were being intimidated, they were being persecuted, and they were being, uh, trying to be, you know, they're trying to scare them not to preach anymore. And I think they understood. If we preach, something's going to happen to us. You know, if we preach, something's going to happen. And, and they didn't attack them. They said, well, listen, you can judge what I'm supposed to do. That's fine. But I'm going to speak about what I've seen and what I heard. And as I began, I began to f reflect again, you know, what do I speak about? And I began to just, you know, process a few conversations, you know, normal conversations, work conversations, you know, family conversations, friend conversations, and, and trying to play back as much as I can. I am over 40, so, you know, you don't get as much as you used to, I guess. What do I talk about? Because what they talked about is what they've seen and, and, and what they've heard. And so the question that kind of comes right after that is part of it 
to maybe three and a half questions is, is what am I seeing and what am I hearing? What am I taking in and what am I allowing into my mind and into my heart and into my soul? What is it that happens? And so let me answer these questions for you. My answers. Hopefully they're as close to the Bible answers as you can get, but these definitely are my answers. How are we doing on halftime? Are we close? Okay. You see all these things happen in the New Testament. You, and, and as we dig through Acts, you're going to see some just incredible, incredible things happen in their lives. And what I began to realize is, is I asked that question, why isn't this happening, God? And I ask it in such a way as, why aren't you doing it, God? Is that how you ask the question, if you really think about it? Why doesn't this happen? And, you're, and, and we wonder and we ponder, and, and why isn't God moving like it's, it's something he's not doing? And I began to realize, and, and, and I, read, I read ahead a little bit in Acts, that these guys were attentive all the time to what the Holy Spirit was doing. Every single time. These stories start, they're full of the Holy Spirit. They move, they, 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 they were, when we read about Stephen, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And then he began to speak. I wonder how often we just go through our life and, and, and we just walk through the mundane things every single day and we're not attentive to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Not attentive to what he wants to do. I, I wonder for myself, how often do I, I, I desperately want the Holy Spirit to move, and I often limit it to Sunday mornings or prayer meetings or worship nights that, where we gather together and, and we speak prophetic words and we speak what God is saying, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely fantastic, and, and we should always desire and want more of that. But when you read about the Holy Spirit in Acts, it's almost exclusively outside of a Christian meeting. The Holy Spirit moved in somebody's life, and that person began to move where they were. And I, I began to look at my life and thought, how often do I get up and, I, and I, I get ready and I have breakfast and I go to work and I come home and we have dinner and I go to bed? Not being attentive to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. And then wondering when I read these stories, why don't we see this in my life? Why don't I see this happening on a day-to-day -day basis? And, and, and Billy encouraged us last week, or I guess two weeks ago because Kevin was here, that this is a daily process, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the, the seeking and letting him fill us up and seeking what he wants from us each and every day. Not just a weekend thing, not just an every now thing, not just when we desperately need it, but an everyday thing. And I, and I began to think, if I can grasp a hold of that, I will begin to see, I think, these things moving and people being healed and people being saved and people coming to know Jesus because I'm attentive to the person at the QT who's begging for money instead of walking around to the side door or the guy that's standing on the side of the road asking for money and then all of a sudden miraculously my phone rings and then I don't have to pay attention to it. But if that's your desire, if, if, if you're where I am and you want to see these things happen, the next two questions you really have to begin to, to, to wrestle with and, and let it begin to sink into your heart and to your soul is, would people know if they met you that you've been with Jesus? It's a real good question because it really does mean, have you been with Jesus? Are you spending time with him? Are you seeking his face? Are you letting the word of God dwell inside of you? 
and letting it change you and shape you and mold you? Letting that be your source? Is that what you're doing so that when people talk to you, they say, he's been with Jesus. Hey, do you guys know anybody like that? When you talk to them, you know they've been with Jesus? I got about four or five that I can just think of right away that I know they have been with Jesus. And not just that morning, but it, it, it consumes them. It, their relationship with the Lord, it permeates every single part of their being. And so it, they're with him so much and they're spending so much time that when they speak, they speak about what they've seen and what they've heard. And what they've seen and what they heard are the things of God, the word of God, words that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them. And they begin to see more and more of what God is doing. And so they speak more and more about what God is doing. Be Pastor Billy talked a couple weeks ago about jiggling the handle. Are we willing to, to talk about our life, you know? Are we willing to talk about our life with Christ, our walk with the Lord at, at any given moment? Are, are we willing to? Are we willing to, to do that on a consistent basis so that we can be attentive to the Holy Spirit and we can be the vehicle that, that God wants to use so desperately here in this place? But if, if we're not spending the time, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. I, I, when I think about Peter, I think, man, if he wasn't really spending time with God and if he didn't really receive God's grace and God's mercy, he would have never ever been able to look at those leaders and elders with kind, compassionate words of the gospel of Christ. I think he would have railed against them. I think he would have gone off. But instead, as he's being persecuted, I think he had this, this moment. These guys need Jesus. I am going to tell them about Jesus. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to fight a battle. I'm just going to tell them who Jesus is. This is the call in our life. This is God's redemption story in our life is, is that Peter could look at them because he knew what had happened in his life. That he was a poor, miserable sinner and that God had redeemed him and God had saved him and God desired to use him. That the Holy Spirit put him there specifically so that he could speak to these people. Not just the people of the Sanhedrin, but the people who were in that city in Jerusalem and, and those people that were coming to know Jesus. See, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to take the things in our lives where we've messed up and where we've, we've been hurt, and he wants to redeem and restore so that we can testify to him, so we can give him all the glory and all the honor. Often what he does is he uses those hurt things in our life in those past places as we begin to let him heal us, and as we're healed, we can then speak life to others who might be walking through the same thing or at least might have the same hard heart that we had at one time or, or whatever it might be. But this is what's going on in Acts. These are great men. They, they did live lives that were fantastic, but they were ordinary men like you and me that were willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, that were willing to be with him and, and be known as people that were with Jesus. And I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to be known as people, no matter where we are, that are with Jesus? It's really easy not to. It's really easy to kind of go through our day and be, be part of the crowd and, 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 and be good and be okay, but not really speak up about who Jesus is in our life or, or what he's done in our life. But that's not what God called us to do. He called us to be a light in the city, not just to go along with what's going on in the city, but he called us to be a light in the city. And so I pray that this week, 
you begin to ask yourself those questions. Why don't we see this happening in, my, in, in, in our city and in my life? Am I somebody, if somebody were to talk to me, am I somebody that, that they can look at and say, that guy's been with Jesus? And what do I speak about? What am I speaking about on a consistent basis? Is it, the, is it my relationship with the Lord or is it all the TV shows I've been watching? There's nothing wrong with TV shows. Or is, it, is it my relationship with the Lord or is it all the games I've been watching and, and all the stats I know and, and whatever it might be? Those things aren't bad. They're, they're actually a lot of fun. They can bring you a lot of, a lot of joy and a lot of uh, fun times with your friends. But if that's what we only talk about, man, we're missing what God really wants to do. Because God desires to use you. He desires to use you in the city. He desires to use you desires to use you in people's lives to proclaim the good news that Christ has paid the price for their sins and that they can have eternal life. He wants you to be attentive to the Holy Spirit and to move in power and to move in boldness. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you and praise you for the truth that it brings to us. Lord, I pray that we would be like Peter, not perfect men and women, but men and women who have been with you, that are willing to speak of the things we've seen and heard no matter the consequences. Lord, that when we're judged and when we're persecuted and when we're laughed at or are mocked, Lord, that we would be like Peter and be kind and gentle and proclaim the good news, or that we wouldn't feel the need to, to be defensive or aggressive, but loving, caring, and truthful. Lord, I thank you for your word and for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.